0: This episode of Promised Land uses audio clips that contain language and subject matter that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I've never lied to you. Your Bible is full of lies. Your sky god makes no sense. If he was all perfect, why don't he come down and do something? If he can heal everybody in a minute, why doesn't he heal them all? Why'd he make all these different races to fight and to kill? Why does he bring some into the world born blind? America, 1973, Christian america jehovah's america bible america 1973 you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by following me why don't you deny yourself why don't you deny yourself why don't you say yes to this cause and no to that slave system i thank you i thank you i thank you because my words are spirit and my words are life this is a revolution that will heal you. This is a father that will save you. This is one that will shepherd you forever storm. We built fine churches in our homes, or we don't have, we don't own anything are we owe our soul to the company store trying to keep up with whitey we have the biggest color tv Biggest Cadillac. We think that's going to make us free. That makes us more in prison. That's why I don't own a car. I don't own any new furniture. I never buy any new clothes. I have never bought a new pair of shoes in my life. And that's why I am free because I don't have to have anything. That's why I can speak my peace because I don't owe any bills. I'm not afraid of losing my job because I know I can go home and eat some greens on our church property. I'm free. You're not free with your Cadillac. You're doing just exactly what the man wants you to do. Buy his goods so you'll never have any real economic freedom. He wants you to buy everything he he advertises on TV so he'll keep you perpetually, owing your soul to the company store. You're not free, you're a slave.
2: With the temple's membership growing in number, finances became increasingly important in order to accomplish everything Jones set out to do for the community. Members were asked to give a minimum of 10% of their income to the temple, with more always being better than less. 25% was the common amount for most. Members were also asked to sign a form stating that all donations, whether monetary or personal item donations, were given to the church, and they would never ask for anything back, even if they left the church. Members would often sign over their vehicles, houses, donate their clothes, or any expensive jewelry they may have to the temple, because to be a member of the People's Temple, you believed in socialism, and denounced having anything for personal pleasures. As far as recruitment went for the People's Temple, Jones was proud to be able to recruit families instead of just single people. He loved the idea of having generations of family in People's Temple, and he expected members to recruit their family. For example, Larry Layton joined People's Temple through his mother. Then he brought his sister, Debbie Layton, who then married her friend, Philip Blakey, who also joined. Carolyn Moore Layton, invited her whole family to join but was unable to convince her parents and one of her sisters to join but did manage to bring her sister annie more who joined straight out of college and went to nursing school while in the people's temple in a letter written to her sister rebecca annie wrote quote
0: i hope you won't be angry at me for not coming to stay and i hope that you won't think that i don't love you maybe you will be relieved The reason is because I'm going to maybe live with Carolyn, or in one of her church dorms. I visited her in her church a week or so ago, and I am convinced that it is a good place to be. It seems like most of the people who go there stay. Well, now I know why. Her church, or Jim Jones, has and knows more secrets about the world than any other group or person. Also, their church is socialist in the real sense. I was also convinced about Jim Jones's power and his words of wisdom when I saw him pull incurable cancers out of people's throats. I've never heard of any faith healer who could do that, let alone any doctor. So as you can imagine, mom and dad are really bugged by my decision because they think that Carolyn's church is a real weirdo church. I must admit, I think it's pretty weird. But the reason people are afraid of it and ridicule it is because they don't understand it and because they are skeptics. So if I hadn't have gone to visit Carolyn, I would still be coming to Washington. And although I was really looking forward to being in Washington, I'm glad that I will be involved with People's Temple. You probably think that I am brainwashed and stuff, but I think I am a real sensible person and no one can tell me what to do. I decide for myself. I think another reason why mom and dad are bugged is probably because they think I'll be like Carolyn and cut all ties with my family and friends, which I have tried to convince them I won't do. Carolyn kind of went overboard, and I don't think I'm the kind of person that would. Well enough of this talk. Now you know what I have decided. I hope you will still like me and not think I have deserted you, and I hope you will treat me the same and not like some mentally ill person from People's Temple.
2: The People's Temple started buying up buildings all around and using them for special services for the community. They had secondhand stores where they would sell off any valuables members would donate, care facilities for the elderly, mental health facilities, a ranch for troubled teens, a laundry, a print shop, a drug rehabilitation, and a schoolhouse in San Francisco where Jones would often hold meetings and preach to the community. When in San Francisco, Jones was able to preach to a broader variety of people, often bringing in new members to the temple that were of higher class than the majority of the current members. This was an excellent way for the temple to bring in more money, by being able to acquire expensive jewelry, homes, and cars from these new members. Other ways the temple brought in income was by selling photos of Jim Jones for $5 each. It was said that his photo would protect the owner from one major disaster, such as an accident, cancer, or assault, so naturally people would buy multiple pictures so they had better protection. Sales from these pictures would often make the temple $2,000 to $3,000 a night when Jones would travel to preach. If you couldn't afford the picture, there was always the blessed penny. Jim Jones would hold a penny in his left hand, bless it, and send it to anyone who would have requested one. The penny was offered to everyone for free, but any donations were always more than welcomed. The temple was flooded with mail from all over asking for Jim Jones's picture or blessed pennies. So much so that they had to open a special letters office to handle the amount of mail coming and going.
1: See, socialism is love. Love is God. God is socialism. Draw close and hug your neighbor close to you. Get my pictures particularly blessed for the highways. I've got particular pictures blessed for special places. Shh. Get them. Talk to a secretary. Money won't stand your way. Have them for special purposes. Tyrone will play. I want to I I be able to help you. Draw close. Get these things that can keep you a visual image of the God that is made flesh, the word that is here amongst you that told people the thoughts of their minds. That's the only word you can help, help you. So help me. Get on board, little children. Get on board. Be good socialist. And we'll cause the kingdoms of this capitalist world to be no more and become the kingdoms of God and socialism. Rita Tupper, I want you to, is Rita Tupper in here someplace? Right next to Gonzalez. will you see that a secretary is appointed to her to call her of her messages? She's not getting them here and there. I want that taken care of. Close to your neighbor. See, as you love the God in them, I can help you better. Don't be afraid somebody's going to call you a little strange. Come on, love each other. Sisters and sisters, brothers and brothers, there's no, there's no need to be separated.
2: At this time, the temple was truly doing amazing work for the community. With the extra income and donations, they were able to offer free meals to low-income communities, free clothing to those in need, even free education. The temple would fully pay for individuals to attend college at the local community college. All tuition and books were covered as well as housing and meals, and the temple would turn some of their own buildings into dorms for their members. It seemed to be an amazing time to be a member of the People's Temple. By 1973, People's Temple had 2,570 members and was bringing in around $300,000 a year. A direct quote from Jim Jones, quote, keep them poor, keep them tired, and they'll never leave. And this was exactly what he was doing with the People's Temple. With the temple thriving, he kept members working constantly. Aside from working their day jobs, members were expected to also do chores for the church after work. To some, it was working the night shift as temple security. People's temple had around-the-clock security because of the outside threats and racism towards the church that Jones always warned them about. Members didn't make a salary when working. Everything they made went to the temple, and in return, all their needs were met. All bills such as car payments, child support, or car insurance were paid by the temple. All food, housing, and clothing was also provided, but in a socialist form. Food was bare minimum, such as oatmeal for breakfast and peanut butter sandwiches for lunch. Housing was mainly communal and provided for by the temple. Members would sleep four to five people in a room, in either sleeping bags or cots, when they found time to sleep at all. Bathrooms were also communal. Clothing was provided to all members, it was all second-hand clothing, or clothing handed down from other members. Only members with more professional jobs were permitted to wear nice attire to work. At this time, even Jones and his family followed this way of life. And, uh,
3: yes, and, but what you saw back there, if we could go back that long ago, 10,000, 15, 20,000 years ago, is in a sense what we see here now. People living together, in a communal way, with respect for each other, living in harmony with each other and in harmony with nature, and not polluting, not destroying, but living together in harmony with each other and with with, with the earth. And either that is what the rest of the world will learn, or there will be no future.
2: Members were also warned against having any kind of a social life outside of the church. It was highly frowned upon to go out to dinner with friends, go to movies, or any events that the church didn't put on themselves. It was better to donate all your time to the temple and the cause. Drugs, alcohol, and smoking was also not permitted by the temple. Jones would insist that it would weaken the mind and body. Members were strictly permitted from any of these things romance was also frowned upon if members came into the temple as a couple it was allowed for them to remain one but with the large demands from the temple they would rarely be afforded any personal time away from the temple jones was a great example for his people on how hard they should work for the temple and how much time they should invest he worked all hours day and night and was constantly checking in with everyone he would remind them of how great they're doing and how they're really working for the cause. He would also notice when some members were really run down and would personally take them aside and talk one-on-one with them. Although members were exhausted, they felt liberated for being able to truly be socialists. They were proud of the work they were doing and would often even brag about the lack of sleep they had.
3: Sure, I, um, well, I guess actually started when I was in Vietnam. I started with drugs while I was over there. Became very alienated, very bitter, very hostile, very angry, and didn't know what to do with myself or my life until I heard about Jim Jones and People's Temple. And when I came to the temple, I stopped doing drugs and gave up cigarettes, alcohol, not because anybody told me to, just because I wanted to. I finally had found something that was um, real. That's the only way I can describe it. How, and do worth living. You, how do you like it here? It's beautiful. I can't. I I've never been so totally happy or fulfilled in my life i can't begin to describe it you could sit here and talk all day long and no words could describe the peace the beauty the sense of accomplishment and responsibility and and camaraderie that's here it's uh it's overwhelming it really is you can't describe it what do you feel caused you to change well i think it was the fact that for the first time in my life i found something that was real where people were actually doing and living and putting into action what they were talking about and Being in an atmosphere where people were sincere and genuine and really trying to accomplish something and trying to live with each other relieved the pressure I had felt and the anxiety I had felt uh, before I come to People's Temple.
2: In 1971, 19-year-old Terry Buford fled her family home in Pennsylvania after one of many attacks from her schizophrenic mother. She hitched a ride out west to California with a friend in hopes of starting a new life. She started out in Los Angeles until her friend contacted her about a church up north with beliefs similar to her own. She hitchhiked a ride to San Francisco to see the pastor speak and mentioned to her driver where she was going. The driver knew of the people's temple and gave her more information on their drive, also informing her that he knew of some temple members that would provide her with a place to stay. Elmer and Deanna Myrtle were happy to take Terry into their home. They offered for Terry to stay with them for a while and accompany them to People's Temple services. Terry loved the hospitality of Temple members and everything the Temple stood for, but there was something about Jim Jones she just didn't like. Terry stayed with the Myrtles for some time, always writing home to her family, but saddened with no replies from them. She continued going to Temple services and was eventually officially offered to join the Temple. Terry sat down with Jones a few times to speak one-on-one with him and was convinced that he was able to read her mind. He knew so much about her life back in Pennsylvania, things that no one could know about, things she didn't even tell the Myrtles. It wasn't until much later she found out that the Myrtles were actually intercepting mail sent from her family and giving it to Jones instead of Terry. It didn't take long after speaking with Jones for Terry to agree to join the temple. She later took residence in one of the communal living spaces and began working as a secretary for temple attorney Tim Stone.
1: And he said, he's worshiping God. Now, isn't that funny? He's worshiping God and he wouldn't even let you ride in that big Lincoln he's got. I've got 11 Greyhound buses all air-conditioned, and when they come and get, come for you, you your preacher is gonna sell you out he'll try to be like the capos were against the jews he'll try to sell you out and he won't give you any comfort and he won't give you a ride in his lincoln but i've got 11 greyhound buses and i'm going to load them and i'll tell you if they try to stop one of us they'll have to kill all of us (laughs)
2: With the influx of money coming into the temple, Jones decided to delve further into traveling on the revival circuit. The temple invested in a dozen Greyhound buses to be able to haul temple members with Jones on his tours. One bus, bus number 7, was overhauled to be Jones's personal bus. All the seats were removed to provide a living area for Jones and his personal entourage. A bed was added to the back of the bus in case he wanted to nap as well as a sink and a cooler for his drinks and snacks. The other buses would hold members he would bring with him. The buses' max capacity was 40 people, but they would often end up containing double that amount. Children were put in overhead storage spaces, elderly members would get the seats, and the rest of the members would sit in the aisles. When traveling to Seattle, the trip would be an eight-hour drive and two drivers would be assigned. While one was driving, the other would sleep underneath the bus in the luggage compartment. One member would be in charge of the fruit and sandwiches, as well as diapers and first aid supplies for the people on each bus. Bathroom breaks were scheduled and the buses would not veer from the schedules that were put in place. Jones wanted to stretch his revival circuit across the United States instead of focusing solely on the west coast. To do this and make sure the churches he visited were packed full of people, he would have temple members send letters to pastors asking if they would host an event for Jones to speak at, as well as have homes open for temple members to stay a night or two. Once a guarantee was set for a packed crowd, Jones would bring his own sound equipment because he refused to risk distortion due to faulty local equipment. He traveled with a full band and choir to every event. His healings were always large and extravagant, with at least one cancer being healed. He would cite scripture and have the choir sing in between the Bible quotes. He knew how to draw in crowds and keep them intrigued with his words and healing act. After some healings and the choir's performance to get everyone listening jones would preach about the real message of social and economical change that the people's temple was all about and of course at the end of everything he would tell everyone about his photos for sale that guaranteed protection and he would pray for everyone in the audience whether they made a purchase or a donation During one of these planned trips for Jones to an African-American Baptist church in Houston, Texas, Jones made a critical error. Jones and his members were so excited that the Word of the People's Temple made it all the way to Houston and how welcoming the members were that he forgot to evaluate the church's intentions on inviting him and what topics he should base his preaching on. Once in front of the congregation, upon assumption, he skipped preaching the Bible and instead spoke of a sky god worshipped by fools, and how terrible the U.S. government was, and that socialism was the answer. Church leaders stepped up to the pulpit while Jones was in the middle of speaking and kindly asked him and his members to leave at once.
1: Bless you. Put it there, brother.
2: Peace. I only got a short
1: time. The end is coming. Say sky god will help you eight million black your paper said today they're gonna to die in sixty days in the sub-sahara they're starving I'm the only church I know that sending food eight million I don't claim to be any sky god I, so if I found a sky god I'd give him a subpoena I'd indict him I said if I found a sky god I'd swear out a warrant for his arrest <laughs> You say, what would you, what would you swear out of warrant? Because you say he's got all power. You say you've got a sky god that's got all power. You say you've got one that he's here, there, and everywhere. You say he knows the talks of the mind. He knows the talks of your body. You say he cares about everybody. And yet eight million blacks are starving to death in Africa. Sure, you won't come back. But I notice no preacher's taking anybody out of here, are they? They're sitting. They ain't saying anything. To try, if you want to try a little bit, you may get up and say something, honey, but you won't stand up and say it long.
2: Jones respectfully gathered his members and proceeded back on their buses and left. During their next rest stop, Jones gathered his people and explained to them that the Houston church they just left was infiltrated by the Ku Klux Klan, and that was why they were asked to leave. And of course, if Jones said this was true, then that's what they believed. This incident was only the first in many to follow for Jones in regards to failures. Though Jones claimed to be able to protect everyone in the temple from any dangers, he knew this just wasn't true. In order to cover for himself, he would warn people of danger cycles instead of accident cycles. During these times, members had to be especially careful. He would tell them things such as walk around your car twice before you get in to drive during a danger cycle to provide extra protection. If this was not done, you would most certainly die. Joyce Sweeney, one of the temple members, left the temple after a long night of meetings heading into Ukiah for work when she fell asleep at the wheel and struck an oncoming driver head on, dying instantly. Jones told his members that he warned Joyce before she got into her car that she was to pray for two minutes before she drove and she chose not to, which is what caused her accident. Jones told Temple members that if they didn't heed his warnings and do as he said, it was their fault if something happened. In October 1971, Jones took the Greyhound buses and members on a trip to Indianapolis. He expected a huge welcome back to the town where he changed everything. During his sermons, he bragged about his powers of being able to raise the dead and cure cancers, planning in two healings a day in his sermons. He had a temple member ready with the chicken livers to pass his cancers. A reporter was present the first day for both sermons and noticed the same members were being healed each day. He published an article called, Church Filled to See Cures by Self-Proclaimed Prophet of God. Also, the Indiana State Psychology Board announced an investigation they were planning on opening to investigate Jones and his claims on being able to heal. Jones was even asked to submit the cancer to a laboratory to be tested, but claimed he could not risk the possible rigging of the test results.
1: Say... Mm. Yes... Yes... Uh, please, reverence, perhaps you need to... to hear. Sometimes I think you need to hear what I hear. Clasp your hands. You'd know just a little bit, maybe, of what I have to deal with. Spirit that is speaking to me, I energize you. I give you energy now to speak with an audible voice what I'm hearing in my ear. As you spoke in the original to Paul a voice came as you appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. I say, Spirit that's in that lost world, speak with an audible voice. Louder, my dear. Louder. Louder. You can open your eyes. You're speaking in Russian. You're saying, forgive me, be not angry. I forgive you. We are in America. In this incarnation, we're in America. Speak English. Help me. Yes, I understand. Look around, do you wish? Have mercy. Just reverence. Have mercy. You're a betrayer of mine. You betrayed me. When did you betray me? I am not sure it was distinguishable to them, but you saying you betrayed me in 1917? Yes. What do you wish me to do for you, child? body clasp your hands as it was on the day when I gave a double portion of the Elisha spirit a part of the spirit there is someone here that this soul belongs to you're not integrated and that's why you're having trouble in your mind I will not call you out close your eyes now I ask you I speak the word and perhaps when it comes, that spirit comes out of the ether plane and comes into its body and integrates, there will be no doubt some gasping, so be very quiet. As I Lenin, Jesus, Buddha the Bab, God Almighty, I free that spirit from the loneliness of that nether world and integrate it in its body here. integrated. You may be seated.
2: Jones left Indianapolis and once back in California, he cut all ties with any businesses and property owned in Indianapolis. Tim Stone later was able to convince the Indiana State Psychology Board to drop its investigation into Jim Jones's claim that he was able to heal people. Indianapolis was a severe blow to Jones' ego, but nothing was compared to what was about to happen next when he tried to fill the shoes of the late Father Divine. Jones waited until the timing was right to make his move with the peace mission. He wanted to make sure he had enough accomplishments under his belt to show them how much better things would be if they joined the People's Temple. He had kept in contact with Mother Divine ever since his previous visits to the peace mission and finally sent a letter asking if he and some of his members could come visit the peace mission. With approval, he arranged for his most enthusiastic members to accompany him on this three-day trip to Philadelphia. He made sure to leave one Greyhound bus empty for peace mission members who would want to join the People's Temple immediately. Upon arrival, they were greeted warmly and were given a tour of the Woodmont estate. The peace mission people lived much more extravagant lives than the People's Temple members. They were offered fancy foods and Jones was asked to say a few words on their first night. He kept his first speech respectful and offered words of regards about Father Divine and all his good work. The People's Temple mingled with the Peace Mission members and exchanged addresses to potentially keep in contact. On the second day, Jones spent most of the day with Mother Divine while Temple members were in the Peace Mission apartments. Later that evening, Jones was given another chance to speak to everyone. He then explained to everyone that he was, in fact, the reincarnation of Father Divine and that everyone in the peace mission should follow him out to Redwood Valley and join the People's Temple. Mother Divine immediately stepped in and asked Jones and his people to leave at once. Jones and his members immediately gathered their belongings from the mission apartments and left, and a few elderly mission members had decided to defect and join them on their trip back west once back in redwood valley he explained to his members that mother divine had come on to him while in a private meeting explaining quote, she flaunted her sagging breasts in my face but i wasn't tempted he said because he turned down her sexual advances this was the real reason why she asked them to leave not long after their return jones had members give him the addresses they had gathered while visiting the peace mission he would have the letter's office write to these people, offering them a final chance to join their god in Redwood Valley. He of course also included his latest miracles, which were stopping a storm in Canada, raising 30 people from the dead, and even walking on water in the Pacific. The letters gave a phone number to call to make reservations for a temple bus to come pick them up to bring them back to Redwood Valley. Once the day arrived for the buses to pick up peace mission defectors, there were only a small handful of elderly members waiting. Mother Divine wrote one final, lengthy letter to the People's Temple stating, If Pastor Jones was manifesting the works of Christ, I say, glory to God. If he is, he is doing no more than each one who is born of God should do. I am completely satisfied with Father Divine, and I stand steadfast on my conviction that he alone is God." Jones took his failures with the peace mission personally. He would continue to speak of the peace mission in his sermons, mainly about how devoted Father Divine's members were to him and how his members were not. With quite a few hits to Jones' ego, he pushed even harder to be involved in every single decision and action made by the People's Temple. With the ever-growing need to control every aspect of every member's lives, things were about to take a much darker turn for Jim Jones and the People's Temple.
1: Animal shelter. I suspect the most extensive animal shelter in Northern California, at least it's been reported to be, and we give the most exemplary kind of care, according to many veterinarians. We have a, I think a little fellow here I thought it might be of interest to you that I saved from being in an unnecessary experiment. His name is Mr. Muggs Where is he where 's Mr. Mugg? Come on and see me, Muggs. Wow Come. He's a part of our congregation. He claps and he worships. (laughs) He talks to me. We have our own little language. He's so sensitive. And I think we need to be concerned about the treatment of animals because, you know, it's so easy. We step from the treatment, the adverse treatment of animals. to us and raising him. You want
0: to say something to the public?
1: Wow. 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 He says he's not used to television. All right. All right. He says I'm not used to television. All right. <laughs> And in each service, we... Wow. Right. They're not... I think he's a little conscious of these maybe being weapons. Uh, interestingly enough, if anyone moves in my direction, he automatically attacks unless I stop him. Uh, we, we... I've got... If people won't stand by me, the chimpanzees will.
0: It's wonderful. Promised Land is a cool-down media podcast. All audio clips for Promised Land come from the Jonestown Institute. For more information, visit their website at jonestown.sdsu.edu. Follow us on social media at Promised Land Cast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.